Hello and welcome to the Higher Training Podcast, hosted by myself, Darren, aka Coach Pig underscore Higher Training, and today's podcast is featuring Jade Louise PT. Now, Jade is a physiotherapist, and myself and herself have a great old chat. We talk about preventative rather than treatment when it comes to injuries and when it comes to healthcare in general. We also chat about how pain and injury should have an individual approach. There shouldn't be no one size fits all when it comes to injuries. And uh, we also discuss a little bit about why getting your back cracked isn't the long-term answer to solving your neck pain, your back pain, your shoulder pain, or whatever it is. If you're currently dealing with an injury or you have done in the past, this is a great one for you. Give you a little bit more context around how you should maybe look at approaching new practitioners about having a look at your injury maybe the current treatment you're getting or the treatment you've got in the past hasn't been the best maybe this new outlook on how to approach the situation will help you in getting that injury sorted in the future okay apart from that it's a very interesting podcast we also get stuck into a couple of other topics and dig into jade's past music career (laughs) as always guys Please rate this podcast up on pod up on podcast up on Apple Podcasts. Give it a five star review. That's the way that this podcast is going to get spread around to more people. That's how it's going to get up the charts. Hopefully someday. Nah, look, just that's the best way for people to find us, and it's the best way for me to know that you're actually enjoying the podcast. So please give us a review. Let us know your actual thoughts on it, good or bad. I'll take all criticism, and give us a review. Okay. I said that twice. Pretend you didn't hear that. <laughs> anyway, this is this week's podcast. Hope you all enjoy it. Get stuck in. Boom. And we are live. Thank you for coming on. Jade, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? I'm all right, all right. And uh, the, the the main reason why I wanted to get you on here is I, I really liked a lot of the stuff you're putting out on, on the physio side of things, but you're also not afraid to speak your mind which is uh, something I, I respect. Um, <laughs> Thank uh, you. What, uh, what kind of got you into physio in the first place? Uh, I think it's because I had physio when I was younger, probably when I was about 14 or 15. I had a horse riding accident, so I suffered from back pain. Um, and I just found it quite interesting. And I've always really liked biology. It's, I, I wasn't a fan of other sciences at the time, but I really liked biology. And I wanted to do something that was a little bit more natural, um, that, you know, wasn't going down the sort of doctor route so I think that's where physio sort of ended up and then I just stuck with it <laughs> and uh, with the the back pain did you uh, end up getting back onto back onto the horses to say after the back pain no I actually didn't actually but that wasn't because of my back that was because I went on to other things and ran out of time so <laughs> oh, I see I see um, yeah, yeah, I, I found it helpful so I thought oh maybe this is something I'd like to try yeah, it's nice. It's nice to help people, isn't it? And um, with the physio side of things, do you do you see a lot of people with uh, back pain, or is that like maybe an area you might see more often? Yeah, so I went into neuromusculoskeletal physio, so I sort of specialise in joint, kind of nerve, um, but back, neck, ankle, a bit of everything really. So I do get a lot of neck and back pain, but luckily it's my favourite thing to treat. So <laughs> it's, it's a fine, funny thing yeah. to say, isn't it? It's my favourite thing to treat, but. It just it may be probably because you have that link, you know, you had back pain before and like uh, the physio helped you in that side of things. That's probably why uh, it sticks with you that much. Yeah, and I just find the, in- the research around it now is quite interesting, actually. And I think, like I said, I mean, not many people go throughout their life without having some type of back pain or something. So, mm. yeah, it's definitely an interesting area. Absolutely. I remember early on, whenever I started learning 
but it, I, the lower back pain was something that interested me early on when I started working in an osteopath clinic I was mentioning you before and I was reading a lot of books you know Stu McGill's and then I started following the, the likes of Adam Meekins and all the all these different influences but who who would be like people who would influence you when it comes to like you know maybe pointing you towards research uh physio i really like a lot of his sullivan's papers i don't know if you've read him he's quite um he's quite a big figure when it comes to sort of like non-specific lower back pain and categorizing and things like that so I, I quite like his look on it and i quite like the way how they're incorporating a lot more of a biopsychosocial aspect now which is great mm. um and again like i am a big fan of adam meekins as a very controversial guy i don't know what you think of him but i actually am a big fan because i think he is saying things that a lot of people need to start hearing so yeah um, and I think he posts really great research papers to look into as well I like people that when they say something they give you a, a little bit extra that you can read in yourself so exactly um, I think he's a good one to post to follow what um, studies he recommends yeah and uh, the one thing you mentioned on the biopsychosocial model one thing when it comes to back pain a lot of uh, people that don't know like they aren't in the professional physio or whatever they don't know how much impact the things apart from your back uh, can affect the back pain they think it's just specifically the back that is the issue yeah. it's really hard convincing people it's not <laughs> yeah but that's just because of the way we've kind of been i guess brought up around these philosophies and these thoughts and it needs to change i've always said as you know the medical system needs a massive change but i think like you said with back pain and people don't realize that sometimes there's multifactual problems you can't just treat everybody the same it's personalized in my opinion and a lot of people don't realize that it's not just bio there might be a bit of psychosocial might be a bit of something else you know there's so many things that feed into it mm. and i think unfortunately as physios and probably a lot of other professionals we're not as equipped to deal with all of those areas which is why i've gone on to do other courses but i think it needs to be implemented more into the program for sure Absolutely, I I I would uh, I would fully agree with that. You can't just take in the that one aspect of like the physical side of it. Um, what uh, for somebody who doesn't know what the biopsychosocial model is, or like not exactly the model, but like the aspects that might affect lower back pain? Do you want to give a quick overview? Uh, yeah, so uh, again, it can be, uh, for instance, like work, people get a lot of work problems. I had one lady who was a really good example. She had, it was neck pain, actually, and headaches. And I kept saying to her, I think it's because you're so unhappy in your job and you're so stressed out. I'm pretty sure that's where a majority of your neck pain. We did do some treatment and gave her a program and it did get 70, 60% better. And then I said to her, look, you, I know it's, you can't say to someone, quit your job, but think about lifestyle changes. And four weeks later, she came back, quit her job no neck pain no headaches anymore you know so it's like i don't think people realize you say oh stress and they think oh yeah but i don't think they realize the level and percentage of impact that has so stress oh. is my major one i mean we all know about the cortisol release and the hormones they affect muscles and you're more likely to injure ligaments tendons because of stress hormones and i think that's a massive part of it but i think work life comes into a huge part of it as well um, and the way people perceive so you may have seen me post a lot of dr joe dispenser bruce lipton um, and i think a lot of it is the way we perceive our pain as well so it's having that mindfulness um sort of side worked on as well as you know the other side of things yeah and uh speaking of stress i've been doing like a wee series of like uh posts and stuff on stress this week because i, I agree with you i don't I think people that. people <laughs> don't timing. perfect timing <laughs> Uh, I don't think people really realize the, the impact it can have. Like, you know, your immune function can be uh, affected from stress. Um, eating choices is also are, are more difficult. Oh, we disappeared out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I just want to make sure my battery doesn't run out halfway. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good shift. Um, yeah, like even uh, your food choices can be hard, like to eat 
let's say the diet that you would like to eat it can be more difficult if you are stressed you know it can affect your sleep that's why I'm, I'm making sure I'm re reviewing all the things I already mentioned this week in these posts so that people can hear for the second time. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's always good. Uh, so and I'm just going to switch my camera around just so I can make sure the battery doesn't run out. Sorry. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Uh, when it comes to like other, other aspects, you know, um, I personally, I think one thing that people don't really take into consideration is like activity. Um, they think that they don't really understand the... Uh, how much being sedentary can actually affect them. I'd say you probably get a lot of that yourself when people come in. Oh, that is probably my worst, my worst one. I think there's, oh, I don't know if you heard, correct me if I pronounce this wrong, Ido, Ido Portal. Mm. Have you seen his work? Yeah, yeah, I find him really interesting. Um, I watched, I don't know if you saw the documentary on him on London Real. I don't know if I've seen that particular yeah, one. I've seen you, the documentary. Yeah, if you haven't, it's really worth having a look into. Brian Rose um, meets him and does a huge documentary with him. And he says, we don't respect our spine and our body that much anymore. And it was really interesting because, like I say, if you think back to before we live in a system like this, we'd be moving in all different directions, maybe because we're doing more day-to-day -day activity and hands-on stuff. Whereas now we're kind of in a system they're not really built for. And people say, oh, I do do a bit of stretching. I do yoga twice a week. But I'm like, well, add up how many hours you're sitting during the week. And then compare that to how much you're actually doing some of that. I bet you the comparison is terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard because we're all busy. We have to work longer hours. But, you know, it, we have to you know, get to a point where we don't compromise our health too much. So I always say, and you probably read a lot of this, that it doesn't matter about your posture. There's no science mm -hmm. to kind of back that, but you, we just need to move. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's where, when it comes to like needing to move, I think there's a few kind of where people think you just have to get up and you have to train or you have to going for walks is obviously an important part of it. But even like if you are walking at home every half an hour, getting up and like even just moving your shoulders around, maybe getting up off the chair instead of just sitting in the same spot. yeah it, it could literally be anything i'm just trying to encourage people to just get up as much as they can uh, i mean you, your body should be able to sustain a load in the same position for a period of time but like you said it's also getting your lymph system moving and things like that so i think it's just we don't have that same movement that we were built for we don't use it as much so it's yeah. trying to get people to move in those directions it's a, it's a strange thing. I actually seen something the other day. I think I might have reposted about like our lifestyle now is such an unnatural one compared to like uh, exactly uh, like we're we're stuck in this little like for a lot of people they're sitting in sitting in an office but not currently they're sitting at home in front of a computer when we're we were like tribes that used to hunt and gather and we never used to stay in the same spot. So it's a nearly a full three sixty. Oh, well, that's exactly <laughs> my point. Yeah, that's exactly the example I, I, I use to people is imagine the movements we'd be doing many years ago. So it's trying to get people to see that. And I think it is, it's definitely becoming more important. You see workplaces talking a lot about it more now mm. um, because they're realizing it's impacting people's sick days. And so they're like, right, we really have to do something about this. So, you know, we are involved a lot more in the workplaces now, which is good. But mm. it, it's very hard because people have stressful jobs and we have to work longer hours now. So it, it is a difficult balance. It's not easy. No. And speaking of balance, I, I would be always talking about balance and a lot of people kind of get me, get mixed up and think I mean literally 50-50 balance, but like for balance, that might just be like tipping that from 99% down to 90, you know, uh, to get some sort of little bit of stress relief. Obviously, we can't change everything in our lives, but the little bits can really make a big difference. Yeah, exactly. Small changes, big difference. I think that's the thing, isn't it, that people say. So yeah, I think 
it's just trying to get them to at least implement something to some degree to help but it is difficult and I think most of us don't keep up a good routine like I say to people you should, like you probably know in your job you know you should be doing some straight training at least two or three times a week and people oh, two or three times I think that's not that much yeah. <laughs> but you know like people do struggle but I think if you get into a good routine if people find time to waste half an hour looking at Twitter you could spend 20 minutes of that doing I think there's ways of doing it yeah. um, it's just trying to you know I think these days people have too many excuses but you know it's, we, we've got to do something because otherwise you're going to have problems doing other things later anyway so you know yeah you've got to try and fit it in but it's that short term short term kind of like view view on everything and social media and phones are kind of like a part yeah. of that the, the attention whores that's what they are <laughs> yeah exactly and it's trying to get people to think well you know if you've got to do calf raises do them when you clean your teeth you know like there's ways you can implement things in without exactly. it taking more time and i am quite harsh on people doing that and if some people say to me oh, i'm not going to do any exercise i just want you to fix it i refuse to treat them because you know it, it, you're not going to get the results and i'm going to feel like a fraud so <laughs> yeah and spe- speaking of that that is one thing that I, I wouldn't have been like kind of privy to until I started working in an osteopath clinic and heard about like treatment. I, I wouldn't have known what, what kind of went on, but um, manual therapy is something that uh, a lot of people would just go to and expect to get like all the results out of. Um, and I I know there, might be, there might be people listening to this that might, uh, might still believe that they can go and get the back cracked or whatever is manipulated and they will be better because of it or fixed. <laughs> the, the, Tell them, tell them what's happening there. Go on. <laughs> yeah, that, that is one thing that irritates me a lot. That, I really like the fact that you were in that environment because I do think us and trainers need to work closer together because Absolutely. especially when you first come out as a physio, you're not really taught high-level exercise. You're not really taught enough transitions or when really it should be much more of a part of our work than what it is. So I think we should, I think that's great. I definitely think we should work closer together. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think the problem is a lot of people think manual therapy is a long-term fix when, as you probably know, most of the evidence is only showing short-term changes. It's not to say don't have any done of course not because it can be beneficial but I think it's been overdone and I, I hate the hearing I hate hearing people say oh you know I've, my spine's twisted I've been realigned and stuff like that like you know like I think you might have seen Adam Meekins talking about there's no evidence to say that if one SIS is higher than the other that it's going to cause any actual problems there's no relation to pain so I think we scare people by using the terms oh your spine's wonky and you know and I, I think we need to stop using that terminology and push more for long-term change like exercise Uh, and again I do think manual therapy's got its place I just think it's making sure we don't overuse it but the problem is it makes revenue and Mm. that's where the issues come in you know someone's on an exercise program they may not need to see you as much which means you know your your pound signs are going down yeah Um, and I've seen that in clinics I've worked for clinics where I've been kind of taught that way and I just don't agree with it so It's, it's a difficult one to get people to start to understand that, yes, it is beneficial, but for long term, you need other things. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure it can be challenging if people who have been treated that way and they're kind of so bought into it. It's hard to kind of get them out of that if they start seeing you, I'd say. It, very hard. Yeah. I mean, for, I mean, for some ways you can say, well, placebo effect, you know, like... So, you know, for some ways that can work. And as I say, I mean, a lot of what we do, I think is placebo effect, to be honest, without us even knowing. So mm. I'm, I'm not opposed to it. And like I said, like manipulation, look at, you know, grade five spinal manipulations, they do have short-term benefits, but it's, I think it's the long-term, you know, telling people, oh, you need constant maintenance rather than making them more sort of self-empowered to self-manage a really good program. And that's what I say. We need to give people the power rather than them having to rely on us so much. We need to educate them and give them the right programs and advice. I think advice and education is really underdone, really mm. badly underdone. It's a hard one, though, at the same time, I, uh, to find that right balance between maybe not educating too much 
I find that like I, I would be maybe guilty in the past of trying to educate too much with like clients and you know you can tell the switch off sometimes maybe 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 I needed to go about it a different way and I think that's what it is maybe in drips and drabs in different ways and put them in a situation where they need to learn yeah exactly I mean I think bombarding someone with so much information whoever they are is always going to be a problem I mean I think if you give them sort of small chunks over periods of time like little things to work on small goals and you build it up it usually works quite well like I say to a lot of my patients I make the plan with them you know what do you think you can fit in how much time can you dedicate a week to this let's make a plan that fits this instead of printing off 20 exercises and going here you go see you later they're not going to do any of them so you have to make it specific to their lifestyle like some people have that more time to learn and you can give them a bit more and other people you don't so I kind of gauge that with my patients so that, you know, I can say, well, I won't tell them too much because they got three screaming kids at home. They're not going to go home and work and all of this and they won't remember it. So, you know, it's trying to gauge what you think they can kind of, I guess, be able to do in a week. So, yeah. And uh, the, the, that individual approach, I would, I'd be a big uh, believer of that in, in my game and PT. Uh, obviously not everybody needs a perfectly tailored program, but for a lot of people that want to get specific goals, they need to have some sort of, um, individual element to it to take in like their lifestyle habits or maybe to work crazy hours or whatever it is and easy to incorporate that to a degree um do you find there's a lot a lot of maybe physios wouldn't take that individual approach i suppose it's hard in some cases where they maybe don't have the time to yeah I mean I think as physios overall we're a little bit better at doing it because we do get that especially in private we do get that time with our patients um, and and we do individually assess them so I think I mean sometimes obviously it depends on the physio but we can jump to conclusions like um, pattern recognition etc and maybe not it maybe not make it as personalized but I think as a profession we're not too bad at doing that Mm. overall but I think as I've said before I think all of the medical system needs to change in terms of personalized medicine and the sort of one treatment fits all type thing yeah um, definitely but i don't think we're too bad at doing it correct me if i'm wrong i could be <laughs> no no i i would i would say i would say maybe in a be more prevalent in my game you get a lot of people doing like you know whatever whatever training i'm doing i'm kind of pushing on to to well, my, my clients yeah and like I, I i get i get that to a degree where maybe it's like a methodology but you obviously have to tailor it to the person like for example yeah. if some somebody can't do a full depth uh, bodyweight squat and then you're trying to get them to load up a back squat I'm just like what are you doing man <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I think in a bad way there is a lot of ego in the fitness industry for sure so Definitely. you know there's a lot of people that think they know best um when really I don't think we should be having that attitude because it's really hard to learn when you think that way but you know things change you learn one thing the next year next year the research tells you it's the opposite you know so exactly I do think there's a bit of ego involved in it probably somewhere <laughs> Definitely, no, no. The fitness industry is riddled with ego. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's, it's. Uh, I, I kind of didn't like that side of it. I, I studied sports science in 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 Dublin, and then I kind of moved over here, like not even intending to do PT and or anything like that. So I was kind of out of that kind of whole industry, and then I kind of decided I was going to get back into it, and then I did PT over here. So I was kind of thrown into the, the high end of the ego because. I, I wasn't, I, and I wasn't used to that at all. I'm from a small town in Ireland, and like I, I'm yeah, not. That must one. have been hard. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm not one for going around selling myself, and it was like that was literally like you have to have your ego on overdrive to be able to go around and like literally. Yeah, it can be useful at times. <laughs> it can be, and I learned, I learned, I learned from it. But uh, that was one thing I, I kind of like distanced myself from, like let's say the fitness industry to a degree because of that. I don't like that kind of egotistical side of things because it, it prevents you from learning. 
Well, exactly. I think it, you need a little bit to some degree, but mm. it, you know, it's, it's not crossing that line. That's the problem. It's just oh, yeah. easily done. <laughs> I definitely have some sort of ego. I'm fucking hosting the podcast. I wouldn't. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't be able to do it if I thought I Well, exactly. You need a bit of it. I agree. Yeah, so can be a bit overdone. And uh, going back to like low, uh, well, injuries in in uh, in general. Do you think diagnosis is something that is uh, makes it challenging for? For uh, people like yourself, let's say if somebody comes along and they've told you that they've lower back pain and they kind of associate themselves with that. Yeah, I think diagnosis can be quite difficult in general. I think a lot of the tests that we use, especially the orthopedic ones, aren't that great. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it can be very hard to diagnose. And I think sometimes you need to constantly reevaluate yourself. And, and like I said, it's, it's hard to say, right, well, I diagnose you with this, but there are other factors as well. So I think it's very hard. I think shoulder is probably the, one of the hardest things to diagnose because our testing is, is really not that accurate. So mm. I, think it's, I think it's difficult. You can make it more accurate with multiple testing, but I, I still think it's very hard sometimes to say that, oh yeah, we 100% know that's exactly that specific structure causing that problem. And a lot of people still say that. I, I, I mean, I'm sure I did when I first started. and I've, I've kind of changed how I... I explain diagnosis is now because I think you know telling someone oh it's definitely that, that structure when you're not sure is it's not great um no. so yeah it can be quite tricky I mean lower back pain can be really hard especially with non-specific lower back pain so mm. I, I think it's very hard to categorize even though they try yeah it is and I know it's something that the people who let's say are suffering with lower back pain they would do try and seek out that sort of diagnosis to to give them sort of I don't know a clear view on like maybe a track to getting getting better it's a hard one. I I know I've had clients who've had that and looking for MRIs and they go and get an MRI and then they get they just get told uh, similar what they were told before. It can be yeah. I think MRIs are tricky because you know you could have two people um with you know one person with knee pain one without they go for an MRI they got both the same thing on the MRI. Mm-hmm. I mean just because you have the MRI doesn't always mean that's the source of your pain either. So I think it is difficult. But I just explain to them that you know I think the structure could be involved, but I also think these factors play a part. Um, you know, it's just, I just word things very slightly differently. Um, you know, just, just not to confuse the patient really. But yeah. I think obviously, I mean, I do explain things. I show pictures, etc. I think it's nice. I'm a massive, massive pusher for self-education, mm. um, and just kind of really basically explaining things so they understand what's going on when they leave. I think that's really important because I think they actually did a study and they showed the relationship between you and your therapist actually has an impact on whether you get better or not another placebo effect so yeah. I think that's really important to establish that relationship and help educate them um and I mean I mean I, I probably should have I replied to people at 11 o'clock at night with questions and you know I think it's really important that you not that you have to do that but I think it's really important to have that rapport with people and explain things yeah and I would I would agree with you 100 percent even even in what I I do and I think in most most things when you're dealing with people excuse me when you're like face to face with people you need to be able to build that like kind of relationship and that trust um because what's that quote now if they don't think you care no i'm gonna butcher it. i know i've I never gonna, heard this uh, i've never heard it so i won't know if you butcher it the, uh, until they know how much you care they don't care what you know i've probably done that backwards yeah. okay. i kind of <laughs> i know where you're going with that yeah, yeah yeah it's very true but i think back pain's quite interesting i think i saw adam eakin's post a little while ago about a study that had, um, I think it was to do with disc issues, if I remember correctly, and mm. it being related to genetics. And I found that quite interesting because knowing Bruce Lipton's work, we know we can rewrite genes. So that that was quite interesting to see what they were saying about that as well. Um, so yeah, there's so many different angles you can take on it, really. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's uh, it's one thing when 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 it comes to like any sort of injury, I always I always try and um, 
if I'm suggesting people to go see someone, I'm like, try and get somebody who takes in the whole aspect and that um, kind of has a balanced view on it. Um, because it be, can be a num- number of things like, uh, for I'm trying to think of a- any example, um, for like activity, activity levels we already mentioned, but like nutrition can impact like uh, yeah, your body. And, and peop- that's one thing people would never really associate with. They think, right, no, I, might, I might get not. some stomach issues, but like anything else is not related to food. Well, yeah, well, exactly. I think there's a massive connection. I mean, the genes thing was interesting. I don't know if you've looked into Bruce Lipton work. They're realizing no. that genes don't control our biology, which is really interesting. He worked in stem cell research. And this has been proven as a fact, not that it's reached out to mainstream science yet. But it's interesting when you read the paper saying just related to, you know, genetics and stuff and now seeing that we maybe can change some, some aspects of it. I'm not saying you can rewrite the color of your eyes or whatever, but, you know, that's, I'm sure, a lot more complex. But, you know, watching it into Bruce Lipton and his research is so interesting i think he does like a three-hour um, lecture on it's called the biology of belief on youtube and it's fascinating to see the, the science that they've done and what they've started to understand and i do think that gives us hope to be able to make much more change um and i think like you said again educating people on that is a massive difference so yeah Absolutely. so interesting look if you're interested in that i'd definitely give him a watch <laughs> i will i'll take that then and i will give that a watch three hours i'll, I'll send you yeah sorry it is very long you might want to break it i'll send you a link after because i'm gonna really break it up <laughs> he's a great guy really like his work uh, i'll definitely give it a go um no no, no chance of me sitting down for three hours in a row but i will probably break yeah. it into half an hour pieces yeah yeah it's a lot of information <laughs> to take in so i've watched it three times so <laughs> it takes a while to get it in so if you're um like if you're watching something like that and you're learning do you have a specific learning process or what what way do you- i really don't i mean i've got a, i'm not going to lie my short-term memory is pretty horrific so i mean i think the thing is like they say obviously if you've got an emotion attached to something you're going to remember it a lot more i think because i'm a lot more passionate about that kind of area of health that i i do naturally remember it a little bit better than i would do reading about an ankle injury or something like that because i find that a little bit more exciting mm-hmm. um but yeah i think a lot of it is i, I do write sometimes write short sort of bulletproof notes but I think I've watched it so many times I just kind of ingrain it into my brain after a while and because I, I keep talking about it after it helps you I always watch something and then even if you explain it to yourself just ex- talk it over after so you know you've understood it mm. that makes a massive difference but I am a visual learner I do like to watch and hear sort of things rather than just read so yeah I, I, I would probably be in the same same side of things I've been trying to get more into reading recently I didn't read I for ages <laughs> Uh, Honestly, I got... I've been on the same book for about a year. <laughs> I've still got it next to me. I, I, I started like a year and a half ago, I think it was, and it took me probably the first eight months to a year to finish Sapiens. That was the yeah. book I, wrote. I actually want to read that book, actually. But yeah. yeah. Very good book. Um, I'm just looking at it here. Um, we'll, we'll talk about books and such like that later on. That's the, the last few questions that I'll ask. Oh, oh, I, I, almost, I almost got excited and started asking. <laughs> what a nerd. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to like, you know, reading research and like learning more information, um, for me, I think it's, I, I always try and challenge everything before I even like let it enter uh, my head is something that's, that's true. Would you, would you say that would be the way you approach it as well? I find because like, yeah. people just believe, see a bullet point or uh, an article. Yeah. So I actually sometimes used to do that. And it, I, I realized after making a couple of mistakes and posting things I later realized weren't true, that it's really not a very intelligent thing to do. So <laughs> um, I do question everything. I mean, there's some people that I would say they're a very reliable source. So there's some people I would say I'll question less because I've already known that or researched into them being a reliable source. But as a whole, I think challenge everything i think critical thinking has been sort of thrown out the window so i think we should challenge everything and i think everybody should have critical thoughts on 
most research or anything they read. I think, again, that's how you progress and how you learn. So yeah, definitely question everything. <laughs> in, in everything, yeah. Like I, everything. <laughs> I remember learning like in, in uni when we were studying like how to critique journals and all that jazz. I was like, well, what's the, what's the point in this bollocks? Like, well, what the fuck would I want to, <laughs> what would I want to think critically for? And now looking back, like at a, I, t- critical thinking is probably the, the yeah. only, only reason I even decided to come up and do things like podcasts. And like, if you don't think crit- critically, you can't really grow that much. Your growth is almost accidental. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think it's so important to critically think. I, I honestly hope that more people start to do it with everything. So yeah even even simple things like well it, like if somebody tries to convince me an apple is is, is something else then I, then i'll be like okay but most things i'll entertain yeah well yeah yeah obviously not the maybe blatantly obvious but yeah <laughs> yeah, I, but yeah I, I think it's an important thing for growth absolutely i've been uh reading uh oh, why did i get onto the books i shouldn't have started talking that fucked my head up now that, it's all <laughs> it's on my head <laughs> i may as well finish what i was talking about i started reading stephen hawkins book and uh, what is it big answers to the world's questions or something along those lines and I think there's when it comes to questioning things people generally don't question the, the big things is there anything that you've started delving into recently that you're like fuck I wish I didn't go down that rabbit hole I don't think there's anything new you know I think most of the things I'm reading about now I've kind of known about for quite a long time I think it's just new information on top of what I already knew so there hasn't really been any like sort of new I mean I, I really don't think a lot a lot shocks me anymore to be honest so yeah. <laughs> I think I've just kind of got accustomed to, to that but yeah there's, there's nothing I've really gone down new that shocked me lately I'd say it's just building on things that I already knew yeah. uh, and just looking into things a lot more because I think it's it's too much to research constantly you know you need to take those breaks sometimes I've not researched for like two months you know because it can be quite heavy and you know especially sometimes if you're not researching the nicest things so i think it's good to take a break <laughs> absolutely and then it can kind of, it's hard to kind of think outside that box nearly almost whenever you go too deep into it yeah you get sucked into it definitely so yeah it's good <laughs> to come out of that sometimes otherwise i think i'll go insane <laughs> come up for air for a little bit <laughs> oh I'd, I'd be in a loony bin otherwise honestly <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to like exercise or training was there any any things that you used to believe that you're kind of looking back and like jesus christ i can't believe i believe that yeah, a lot of things. Um, when I first qualified, I did tell people not to put your knees over your toes when they squatted when I first <laughs> qualified. I definitely did that. There's so many things that I've changed now. I was too hot on manual therapy before. I did way too much manual therapy. I've changed that. Um, even down to just telling people, oh, don't do that. You shouldn't do this. You know, like I don't do a lot of that anymore. Like even like I said um, in the video the other day about not curving your spine and you know, just, just things that you realize that, you know, movement isn't the way you think it was. And we don't know what the normal is. There's so many things I've changed doing that I just thought, what a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I've even done courses and they taught me these hands-on techniques. Like, oh, can you feel it moving? You're thinking, no, like this is a complete waste of time. And I've gone to the course and not done any of it when I've left, you know. So I've changed so much. But I think it's more in terms of concentrating more on the exercise and you know, not telling. I used to also say the whole thing about, oh yeah, your muscles hurt because of lactic acid. I mean, I can't believe I used to say that as well. So there's so many things that I cringe at that I used to tell people. But there you go. It's all about learning, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But I think what's powerful uh, is whenever you learn those lessons and then you try and put them lessons on to others, which I, I listened to a couple of things you mentioned there. I heard you speaking about recently, which is good. And I always yeah. do that. If there's something that I like, for me, when I was younger, I used to be anti-carbs. I used to like, like carbs, carbs are the devil. Um, and so one of my things that I always do is make sure that people don't be leaving out those carbs 
like uh, so that that like I think it is there's something powerful about that a lesson that you learn that you try and put on to somebody else because there's nobody better to tell it well yeah exactly and I said I think there's so many things we realize but I think having accountability and admitting it is is the best part because I think and I felt like this you see you do sometimes feel like you've always got to be right because Mm. you're trying to help somebody and you know they're relying on you and you always feel like you need to be right but I think sometimes we need to admit sometimes we don't know and sometimes you know I say to people this could be trial and error you know we'll try it if it doesn't work we'll look into something else you know so I think having been able to actually admit you know what I was wrong which I think a lot of people struggle to do but I think that's really important (laughs) there's so many embarrassing things i've said but i will happily admit it <laughs> <laughs> what's top of the list uh oh that's a good question actually um oh i don't know i think the one that annoyed me most was that i used to say about the knees over the toe thing that really annoyed me that i told so many people that that's by far my worst one and i hear it all the time and i get people coming up to the gym and correcting me and it really annoys me <laughs> i can't believe so I that's, that's probably going. my top one but I've made loads of mistakes in physio, especially when I first started, you know, like I'd treat the wrong ankle when they turned over. I'd forget to move to the other side, or something <laughs> stupid, you know, oh, I'd say embarrassing things and they'd look at me, you know, sometimes, but you know, that, that's when you start, it's, you know, quite easy to do that. <laughs> uh, it's good, good to have a laugh about it. Um, and like kind of learn from it. I think there's no, no better, no better medicine than having a laugh about it. Oh yeah, so I think being honest and just admitting, you know, we're humans, just because we're a healthcare professional or we're, you know, a professional trainer or whatever it is, it doesn't mean we're right all the time. Exactly. But it is, it's kind of hard because you're, if you're going, you're put in front of a person and it's just you and them, or if you're yeah. talking on social media, it, it's hard to put information across without, well, early on it is, without uh, letting on that you know everything. Yeah, exactly. And I used to feel a lot of pressure, like, oh, I've got to be right. You know, I've got, I've got to make sure, especially when you're first started. But then after a while, I think you realize sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, I'm not sure. Um, maybe we should look into this, get another opinion. You know, I do that a lot of the time. I think it's really, really good that people have different views. So, but I think, I guess maybe some people's ego doesn't want to let them do that. But I think it's really important to kind of get that information from other people if you're not sure. Yeah. And when it comes to like working with clients, I think it's, it can be good to admit that maybe you don't 100% know exactly what's going on. Exactly. Um, People really do appreciate honesty as something that I've found, you know, rather than someone trying to say, you know, make up something, they really do appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Someday you're going to get found out telling all those porkies anyway. Exactly. <laughs> and I've seen it happen. So <laughs> definitely don't do it. <laughs> uh, you mentioned routine earlier. Do you have like a kind of, are you a routine person? I am. I'm very sadly organized. So I've got about three to-do lists. <laughs> I'm very much a routine person. What's your so, morning routine? Uh, I actually am not great at my morning. I have to say, this is something I want to work on. I'm really not a morning person. I absolutely hate mornings. I often set my alarm like an hour before I need to get up and think, yeah, I'll do this, that and that. And then the alarm goes off and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like definitely not getting up. So that is something I actually need to work on. My morning routine is terrible. If I was being good, my morning routine usually would consist of meditating as soon as I got up. I listened to Joe Dispenser's one on iTunes and then doing a little bit of yoga and then eating something. But a lot of the time I get up, rush around like a crazy lunatic and leave the house. So <laughs> I have to be, I'm not going to lie. You know, <laughs> I, I was good in lockdown and now I'm back to work. It's all gone a bit, you know, so, but they always say the most successful people have a very good morning routine. And there's a really good little, sorry to talk about books again, but before I forget called the morning routine, <laughs> it's a really good book. So I Who's do recommend that by? I really don't know. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I will send you a link with it after so you can put it below. I think, it's I think really that small might be the one book. my girlfriend has. Hal Elrod. No, that's not. It that's... might be. It's a small little book with like a yellow circle. I think that's, uh, I think that is it. It. it probably is. Robert Kiyosaki actually was the, the guy that was advising to buy it. I got it off one of his videos. So. Oh. 
um yeah I, I need to work on that because it is really important and i'm terrible <laughs> <laughs> it's hard though starting off I, i'm right in the middle of like uh, i'm in in the deep of like a year of doing no i'd say about six months of doing a, a, a really in, not intense but a two hour long morning routine uh, wow now that i give you <laughs> some sort of medal for <laughs> i see the big thing for me is i'm i'm doing a, a nutrition course right now at the moment but i been putting it off and putting it off so i was like right i need to sort my shit out and incorporate it into every day so i've been doing like wake up in the morning have me a wee bit of coffee do a bit of movement for about 10 minutes journal for a little bit then i study so i'm like right before i have any chance to kind of that light that light is your uh it's your it's your shining light like you're on stage is it uh, yeah, no, sorry, it's my computer background because my mic's not great in my flat. So when it goes good. off, I put it back up. Otherwise, you can't see me. I was guessing that. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not any fancy light. It's just my laptop. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I do my wee bit of studying. It's like my focus, uh, if I left it later on in the day, there'd be too many other things to think about. So would you find... That's really good. I'm very impressed. Yeah, well... <laughs> let's see let's see if i, keep I wish talking. i had that motivation if, if i keep talking about it i'm probably gonna start fucking up yeah. it's not even though i i like i like when people say it's like motivation i i i would i wouldn't even say it's motivation to a degree i think it's i don't know when i find that i'm the sort of person if i start my day and do my things my attention gets really split so the, the things that i kind of incorporate in the morning are things that i i need to do before other shit starts happening maybe that's maybe the only time I can get it in everybody's different in that sense it's all individual yeah, yeah well yeah exactly I think uh, I'm definitely not productive in the morning <laughs> uh, you're productive in the nighttime though then or in the evening yeah <laughs> but they do say some people are different they do say like some people actually do work better at night you know so I, I did read something about that I haven't read into it enough but they were saying actually people's body clocks could be slightly different which I could imagine so yeah, well, I, it's funny because I used to work in, in pubs for years, like maybe six, seven years, and I used to be up till two, three o'clock most nights, and I was fine with that, and I was kind of adjusted to that. Then, obviously, personal training, you're in the crack of dawn in the morning, and I kind of yeah. got adjusted to that. So, I, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck. I'm, I'm a hybrid. I must be in the middle of the... But well, we're adaptable, so <laughs> you know, we can learn. <laughs> we are adaptable, and that's like going back to like injuries. Um, people do get this uh, uh, a lot of time, this opinion that, um, they can't change like they're not going to get better and but they don't realize how much we can actually adapt you know I'd say that that's building the confidence in people is is a hard thing to do um, was that something you found challenging early on like obviously learning yeah. as physio oh yeah 100% I think it's because the way things are kind of put out there is quite negative a lot of the time like oh there's nothing you can do it's that you know victim type thing we can't help ourselves and I think undoing years of that is really difficult because people we I think we generally do have sometimes a negative view on certain conditions and maybe that's because it's been the way it's been spoke about over time I'm not sure but I, I definitely believe that it's trying to install that confidence and I think with the new science it's even harder because it's not mainstream and I mean new science could take years and years to finally make its way through especially because it'll be a struggle to get it there so it's really <laughs> hard trying to explain this stuff but I have been finding now a lot more people are open-minded it's getting a bit easier you know I spoke to a patient the other day on the phone he said oh I'm, I'm reading this book I think it's by a guy called is it Joe and I went Joe Dispenser and he went yeah and I went oh this is brilliant you know like, and I'm shocked how many more people are now reading you know people are, are telling me oh try this book mind over medicine 
and it's really great and I did and I'm like this is amazing and I had a patient show me that so I do think it's changing it's becoming a little bit easier but there's always a few people that you know have this step set that's it I'm not going to get better and I just find them really difficult to treat mm. but I'm sure there's a way of doing it but maybe by someone that's a bit more trained in that area than I am uh, psychological wise but yeah I think I think it's a, definitely a challenge would that be something you'd be interested in maybe delving into some uh, more education that side of things I know myself yeah, personally I'd love to love to get into yeah, behavior change exactly and that's why I sort of started this YouTube and I've started to do other courses now and I want to start doing talks at workplaces and I want to, I want this to be spoke about a lot more like I said I think we're, we're a lot more powerful than what we're kind of told so I definitely think it needs to be spoke about um, I think self-empowerment is the most important um, but I don't think people think they're capable. I think that's the problem. We've kind of because we've never been told that we are. So <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not supposed one. to talk about how good good you are. Like you don't have to well, be. Well, it's not cocky. That isn't. <laughs> well, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so don't want to don't want to teach people that. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. We're getting we're getting into the nitty gritty of it. Anytime there's any conversation, whenever I'm having a few drinks, it always starts off with a, a, a sentence like that. <laughs> oh yeah, God, when the alcohol runs, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you drink I actually don't no um but yeah it, but it's not because I'm opposed to it like if say I, it was a friend's birthday I would have a few drinks but I'd probably drink a maximum of probably a couple of times a year mainly because I never get out but um <laughs> I don't really drink no I'm not I, I think I did it when I was young I got out of the way very early so yeah I I think I, I was just, I'm 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 uh I still like a drink every now and then but I'm definitely not yeah, uh, don't fine. drink as much as I used to um, I'm nothing against people having the odd drink here and there, but yeah, I think because I started drinking at a very young age, like I got out of my system. So at the time I was able to do it, I was kind of over it. <laughs> Done with that. <laughs> yeah, so I started too young. That was the problem. <laughs> but you do have another, another pastime that I would I would share as well, and that's smoking the odd joint every now and then. Yeah, I wish and... it was the odd, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, Irish people say the odd one when they really mean like plenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds better that way though. So exactly, it's like they say a we to describe something that's really big <laughs> yeah oh okay okay um <laughs> and uh that's one thing i find with, uh, with us uh, like in, in health and fitness people do have a, a kind of stigma around like smoking as opposed to alcohol where they wouldn't really say too much like they might say the limit it but uh, if you, as soon as you talk about smoking joints and it's the it's the yeah i mean i'm quite honest about it like you know when people oh do you smoke and i say yeah is it good for you no of course it isn't you shouldn't have anything else in your lung other than oxygen really yeah. you know like I, I don't agree that uh, the way it should be used is by smoking it although i do it because obviously i am i would say obviously it's a routine you get into and it's hard to get out of although i am cutting down but i think it's the thing where i, I do agree it isn't good for your lungs and obviously that a lot of what we're getting today i'm sure is gmo it's very hard to get natural we yeah. don't know what it's sprayed with so I, I do agree when people say it isn't a good thing to smoke i don't argue that you're right it's not no. but if you're comparing it to alcohol that's where the problems come in because i would definitely say that alcohol is worse so especially if you look at the research the death rates etc i would say it's worse but it doesn't make it a good thing to still do i think the healthiest way is tea or you know an oil if you told me you did that and it was from a natural product then i would say it's fine but a few edibles yeah i mean you know it, i'm not going to sit here and try and defend smoking it because i know no. you know i'm not you know i'm not going to lie about it it's not the best thing to do but no. you know like you said the air's polluted everything's terrible anyway i mean how perfect can we be so exactly if the you know, if living in london your... is equivalent to smoking anyway so. <laughs> yeah man you know what i've noticed my breeding has changed so much since like uh since moving to london I, oh, I'm, I'm from the country back home, like so. I was like living with cows, cows around, 
cleansing the nostrils. <laughs> yeah, lovely camp. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> but, uh, it's funny you said that because I went for a walk back where I'm from originally and it was it was like that and it was just cows everywhere and I, it, you feel the air is actually clean apart from the awful smell that surrounds it. <laughs> I, I, um, you definitely feel the air's cleaner. I wouldn't even notice it. It's funny, like if, uh, like I'd notice it, but it wouldn't like really bother me. But if my girlfriend, she's from the town. If we went out to my house, uh, she'd be like, "Jesus, that is terrible." And I just yeah. like, "That's the country, mate." <laughs> yeah, I'm not used to it anymore because I moved. I've been here like six, seven years now, so I think I've not got used to that. <laughs> um, it's funny going back to like you know smoking and drinking. I always say like you know, uh, there's a quote somewhere: "Choose your vices, vices wisely." Um, mm. I think the, the education or the, the, the portrayal of like alcohol as opposed to marijuana has been, it's, it, it, it's fucking warped. And it, it's, it's yeah, I mean, they demonized it a long time ago. I can't remember the name of the guy now, but it was demonized a long time ago and rebranded as marijuana. And again, mm. I think it was to hide some of the health benefits from it. Um, and so I think we all know there's been lots of studies on it or some studies that have made it out to the public have shown proven benefits to it. So I think it was just to hide kind of the benefits for that period of time really but like you said the problem is even where it is legal how do you know what how they're growing it gmo you know it's like i don't know if i'd trust the government's version of it either to be honest no and that's when like they're on about like when marijuana got legalized in america and they're like oh the quality is going to be so much better now that the government's controlling it. i was like but is it though is that they're true not- well it, it could be a little bit more regulated i suppose and because you know there was that story of people mixing it with i don't know like ecstasy pits of ecstasy tablets and stuff in the past and so i suppose you at least you wouldn't get that but i wouldn't count on it being a really high quality product no no but and one thing i do think it would it would would help is the criminal side of things obviously like it would yeah like i know in in ireland there's a podcast that always talks about um you know people get like smuggling the countries to kind of grow in grow houses and shit like that and you know the money around that it could be put into the government uh or put into like healthcare or put into whatever instead of that's if we trust what they do with the money <laughs> <laughs> well this is it see this is it's all leading back to that question you know would, would you trust them with the money uh, i'm not sure i would <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah I'd, I wouldn't so, either, but I'd say... It's a hard one. But then, also, you've got to think they're going to lose money if people aren't being imprisoned over that as well. So that side go. of things as well. So I'm sure they're not too keen on, you know, suddenly, you know, saying, oh, it's all legal everywhere. No. But I, I guess we'll see. We will see. I know back home in Ireland, it's got, there's a certain certain view in that, like, and the police would still be kind of hard lying on it, even if you only have the smallest amount. That's crazy. Mad. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't get that, but hopefully things will change. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, but branching off into, uh, into one of my other um, interests, which is music, and I mentioned to you before we hopped on there that you, uh, that I went back and listened to one of your songs. And for mm-hmm. for for people who, like, I, I'm, I most people who are listeners probably don't know this, but me and my cousin Michael used to write make rap songs whenever we. Were. Well, if you've heard mine, I've got to hear yours. It's only uh, fair. Well, I'll I'll try and dig it out, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I believe of everything that uh, the internet uh, has. <laughs> I thought it'd be a great terrible. time for me to tell a story. Right. Uh, so my cousin's from Camberwell, and like I, I was, I live back in Ireland. And he used to fly over, and I used to come over here. And I thought, I thought it was dead cool if we went and made lo- a load of rap songs. <laughs> like, oh look at me with my 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 Kenyan cousin. I'm gonna make rap songs, and we, uh, yeah, made them, put them up on YouTube and all that. And then somebody from back home found that and. Oh, I was the most embarrassed man. <laughs> I, I, I think I was only like... Was it that bad, though? Oh, it was terrible. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, but, uh, I'm dying to hear this. I've got better bars now, of course, though. <laughs> of course, of course. But uh, yeah, I was only 14 back then, but I was so oh, much. Okay. I deleted it off. Oh, everything. Er- nobody could ever listen to it again, but I'm pretty sure somebody somewhere has it. Yeah. <laughs> They'll blackmail you with it one day. Yeah. But uh, like, uh, when it comes to that, like, do you, would you say that you're quite good at like trying things? Um, and not being fear fear of failure because I know putting yourself out there and making music is definitely not something easy. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. I'm definitely not a fear of failure. I did have a fear of going on stage, strangely enough. Um, mainly just because there's just something I wasn't used to doing, and yeah, I think that was a little bit different for me. But I think the fear of failing is like I'm. I'm a, you've probably seen I'm a big fan of Gary Vee, and I think failure is a good thing. So I think you know, at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with having fear because it means you care about it, but as long as your fear of not moving forward is more than your fear of actually doing it, you're okay. <laughs> Do you still write music? No. I still have a home studio. You can probably see ah. <laughs> my mic in the back there. It's now got <laughs> some sort of pendant hanging off it. Um, but yeah, I don't use it. I use it because I'm going to start doing courses and I need to record some vocals. Um, but I don't record music anymore. No, I haven't written for a long time. I'm not even sure I'm capable anymore. Not sure how capable I was before. So I definitely don't know how capable I am now. <laughs> That's harsh, man. I don't know. No, I was so I was enjoying the vibes. It, Tell them I was in I was enjoying the vibes in that song. Oh well, you don't have to lie. It's all right. <laughs> ah, swear to God, swear to God. Um, but uh, no. So how comes how comes you got out of writing music? Yeah. So I, I mean, I started when I was quite young, and I was like, oh, that's it. It's what I want to do. Even though I was still going through uni and doing this, um, I, I did want to do music. Um, and I think I just had a lot of bad experiences in music. A lot of bad things happened. Um. And I think after like it happened so many times, it just got to a point where I one started to lose my passion a bit, and two was just getting really fed up with the industry and the people. And that's not a reason to give up. But then, obviously, when I started researching more and more into what the industry is about, what goes on in the entertainment industry, I was like, that was that was the last straw for me. I was like, nope, not being a part of this. Don't want to ever come across any of that. I'm quitting. And that was the transition. I kept telling myself do I want to just do health? Do I want to do music? You know, and then I was like, I'm just going to go with the health stuff. And I think that finding out more about the industry is what made that decision for me. Definitely. I, but I, I do wish. believe you can do your own little thing and be successful, but I, I just know what I'm like and I, I know I'd want to go full with it. And I just thought I don't ever want to come across anything. So, you know, I decided not to do it, but yeah. And there's a lot of people that are independent that do do very well. So it's a hard graph. Very yeah, I lost the passion. There's so many bad things happened. I lost my music so many times, and you know, and it got sometimes I, I did feel endangered for my life. So it got to a point where I was just like, I just don't want to do this anymore, you know. Um, it, yeah, it just wasn't for me. It, I lost my passion. Well, Alicia, but uh, well, Alicia stumbled onto another passion, or maybe fell more into one side. Yeah, exactly. I, I massively believe that everything's meant to happen for a reason. I think I was I was meant to do music because that's what woke me up to my spiritual side. I was a complete atheist before that. So it was meeting people in music when I was about 19 is what completely changed me as a person and left me down a whole nother road. So I knew I needed to do music for that reason, but I knew it wasn't a long-term career. So uh, yeah, need, I did make that decision. You need, all, all the steps in the journey are important. Even the top I had fun at times amongst the bad things. I did also have some very good times. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's say uh, we've been talking about the past, but let's what's what's in the future for for yourself? What can what do you expect to see out of yourself? Are you going to branch well, off into different different avenues? Yeah, so I'm just a bit like you. I'm just finishing my sort of nutrition and health diploma. So I'm hoping to build a bit of an online business and start doing some courses. Again, I'm I just want to push self education. That's my main thing. I'd love to start doing some more talks. 
I've been terribly inconsistent with my YouTube. So my goal this year is to get a lot better with that um, and just try and help educate people really. And I, I just want to get people more self-empowered, teach them a lot of things that we're not really being told, get some of the truth out there. Even if it just gets people questioning things, I'd be happy. Mm -hmm. Even I'm not saying believe everything I say, look into it, look up, you know, look it up yourself. But if it even gets people thinking, you know, I'm all about preventative we need to start going on more of that side rather than trying to make money out of hearing things. So yeah. um, I'm hoping to build a bit more of that up and expand my clinic. Um, I want to do a bit of an all in health. So multidiscipline, like for instance, if you've got knee arthritis, I'd like you to see a physio and a nutritionist. I want it combined because mm. I think you'll do a lot better. So I'm trying to aim for a bit more of a sort of multidiscipline clinic where us all working together. Yeah. And, and go, a PT. And I was about to say that. I, I was about to say that. You can't say that earlier and then not bring it up again. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's why I mean, I want a multidiscipline place. So I want to, I've got another sort of company all in health. So it's kind of, you know, building us all in together. And, you know, I think some people think, oh, because I've got this degree, I'm more important. And I, I believe we're all just as important. And I, I actually do believe nutritionists and exercise sort of therapists and trainers are going to come a lot more important over the, over the next few years or into the future, because we're going to realize that actually these are where we really need to make the changes. Yeah, you can like people don't realize the impact that like a PT or a physio or a nutritionist exactly. Can have, yeah, know. I mean, I mean, a massive impact, and I think that's going to become a lot more popular. I hope it does. So I'm hoping yeah. that's where the future is going to go, and I can feed into that. Unfortunately, I think things are going to be a lot more virtual. I don't like it, but I think that's the way it's going. So mm. that's why I'm building a virtual platform as well to sort of get educating people from every angle really yeah it's hard like i i would have been like no i don't want to go down the online route back in the day whenever i whenever i started pt and, and it's funny you kind of either decide that you're going to get stuck behind or you're going to have to just hop on and do it your own way <laughs> like you know and that, that's the best way to do it you can't you can't avoid change it's going to happen either way either way you just have to adapt. exactly but i think you know it's, there's a lot of people that don't have the time to do that and at least if virtual gives them that information that education it, as long as you're helping people you know if that's a way to do it then you know that's the way we're going to have to go down so as long as we can get the message out and you know get people moving get people healthier then that's all that matters at the end of the day and i think online you can do a lot more than what people think i imagine i remember adam meekin saying i think just as we went into lockdown this is going to show so many therapists they don't need their hands-on work as much as they yeah i remember do. seeing that um, i think people have realized how good actually you know online, and don't get me wrong you know some people do need a bit of that but i think it's realized that we can do a lot more with education and exercise than online than what we think so yeah and then not back, always a bad thing but i'd like the human interaction <laughs> me too me too i've been fucking badly missing it like i can't remember a period where i haven't seen seen people i wouldn't have as many friends over here as i would back home so i've been quite limited in my social distance uh, yeah meeting meetings up i can't wait to go back and see clients <laughs> can't wait I really yeah <laughs> i thought but, that and now i'm fed up no, I'm <laughs> i've had enough now i need another break you know going from not working for three months and going back oh it's been tough I, like I used to do like 20 patients in a day before lockdown. Now I'm struggling with 10. It's, it's just <laughs> insane. I'm like, oh, I'm knackered already. <laughs> oh, that homeostasis, your body just gets used to it. <laughs> yeah, because you know, you talk to so many people during the day, you get home, you think, I don't want to talk to anyone now. I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably be like that. I'm, I'm only going to be going back in person two days a week. So I'll be dipping my. Oh, okay. You've got a nice bit of a, you know, easier sort of slope in. <laughs> exactly. Um, Branching off now into the finishing we section, I'm going to throw out a few statements or a few hashtags and I want you to respond in whatever way you seem appropriate, okay? Is it a one-worded answer? <laughs> no, 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 no. You can develop oh, okay. on this for as long as you want. We can go 10 minutes on one. I don't care. Uh, hashtag stress management. Take it whatever way you want. Hashtag, sorry, cut out stress. there a little bit. 
Stress management. Stress management. Um, so yeah, I think stress management obviously is extremely important. One thing that I would say that I use for stress management is breathing techniques. I'm sure you've heard of Wim Hof. So he's one that I think is really great for stress management and lots and lots of meditation techniques. I think you may have seen some of Dr. Joe Dispenza's work using meditation to change our brain waves, et cetera. Um, and just to try and sort of um, get our pH balance a little bit more in terms of our emotional pH balance, a little bit more uh, centered and in balance with our organs, et cetera. So I think for stress management, I mainly use, and it's different for everybody, but I use meditation and breathing techniques. Some people like to go for a run. I think, again, stress management should be personalized. So like some people absolutely hate listening to certain things and it would make them more stressed. So you don't want to give them that. But I think stress management should be really important. I think med meditation and things like that should be taught in schools as well. So absolutely. Yeah, stress management, I think, is a major one. But I think it's different for everybody. I think everybody's got something like I hate running. I'm not going to lie. I hate it. So if someone told me to do running, you know, to relieve my stress, it's not going to work. <laughs> so I think it depends on, you know, what works best for you. I like meditation personally, but um, I think, yes, stress management extremely important. <laughs> and I do think it needs to be taught more to, you know, therapists and things like that in our curriculums, because really we've never given the tools that you need to deal with stress ever. No, <laughs> that's oh, the problem. I, you said a good thing there about in schools. I, I, my, I would just, I always be thinking like, if you were able to change the curriculum, like to add in things, I was like stress management and how to be able to deal with people like communication and things like that would definitely exactly. be. So I think important. it's easier said than done. I think it's going to take time. You can't just suddenly say, oh, I'm never going to be stressed. I think short periods of stress are fine. I think it's when we stay in those emotions for too long, a longer period of times. So we're living in that constant state of survival and the constant release of chemicals. That's when there starts to be a problem. So I think very short periods of stress here and there are not the end of the world. I think it's normal mm. to obviously when you're never going to not feel stress. But I think yeah. it's that prolonged state that we need to be worried about when it comes to managing stress. Absolutely. Um, hashtag my core is weak. Oh, <laughs> I hate that. You know, I always get people, they come in and go, I've got back pain. I think it's because I've got a weak core. And I'm like, <laughs> it definitely isn't. I've seen people with beer bellies that have never had back pain in their life. Um, and you may have seen, like, I think Adam Eaton spoke about this again, but there's lots of studies out there with people with, and I'm talking about non-specific lower back pain, just general lower back pain that have done, you know, like a walking program compared to a core program. And most of the results come out the same. It doesn't matter whether you're doing a walking program or a core program. I tend to mix up a little bit of both and get the best, best of both worlds in. Um, I, I think, you know, you don't want an extremely weak core. I mean, you don't want an extremely weak anything. Um, but I think people automatically assume that that's because that's why that's feeding into their back pain. And that, again, that there's no evidence to say that that's something that's going to cause you back pain. Um, so I, I think it's, again, it's overemphasized massively. And when people say that, I, I do re-educate them to say that that's not how it works and one story i remember hearing when i started my masters at uni and they were saying there was a lady who had like a rock solid core really good core pilates teacher went for a run burst her disc you know like and she had a really good core so it's not necessarily going to prevent you anyway so yeah <laughs> i don't I, like that saying no the example i always think is like you know elite athletes who would 100 like have really strong cores whenever they get back pain i'm like do you think somebody's turned around to them and saying you've got a weak core? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think that would go down too well. So yeah, that saying I think needs to be taken out. <laughs> Absolutely. The only time I really work on that is pelvic floor stuff after pregnancy and women. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, it's not something that I overly emphasize. <laughs> <laughs> um, hashtag movement is medicine. Oh, I love that saying. 100%. I think movement is definitely medicine. I think movement and food. I think we should change that to movement and food is medicine. Yeah. So that is one of my favorite sayings. Like I said, get your lymph system going. Um, we're made to move. And I don't think we do it enough, sadly. No. Even I'm guilty of that sometimes, especially during lockdown. So 
Oh, that agreed. is one of my favourite sayings, but let's just add the food bit and it's even better. <laughs> That's all good, Chief. Okay, last, last three questions now. Um, on to the entertainment side of things. Uh, what's your favourite or top three favourite films or documentaries? Okay, uh, fun ones or serious ones because I don't watch many films. Whatever you want, your favourites. Okay, the, the my, one of yours. my favourite documentaries was um, what I'm trying to think what it was called now it was on London Real uh, Reconnect I don't know if you've seen that that was one of my it was a uh, recording the trip to I think it was Costa Rica for the Arawaska experience ah. that, is, that was one of my favourite documentaries I really enjoyed that um, I don't really have any favourite films that's really bad isn't it I'm a series person so well give me your favourite series or if you can't pick one of my favourite series I think I've recently watched was Gangs of London on Sky Atlantic really liked that is that good i was looking at it and i was like i don't know it's really good it's it's pretty savage (laughs) like it's it's really violent um like the first scene you know there's someone burning to death hanging off a building like it's it's quite savage um but that i really enjoyed i quite like the crimey kind of Mm. you know all those kind of ones i like the murder ones as well you know the (laughs) criminal ones i like all of those type of ones i'm a bit morbid really Um, so they're my favorite and any type of documentary i like watching strange things i love spiritual documentaries um i don't know if you've seen one of my favorite ones was um was it called the spirit molecule i think it's on youtube still it's about dmt and the penal gland yes 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 i've watched it yeah that is a really good documentary i'd really recommend that Mm, I ain't like that. They're quite interesting. I've a, <laughs> going back to fucking books. Darren's turned into a bookworm today. Uh, fucking, <laughs> I have a book here that I started a while back, breaking open the head. It's all it's supposed to be about all all different psych- psychedelics. The guy in it goes and takes ayahuasca and all, all I these love ones. That. I've, have you heard I, of Graham Hancock? He's into that. I think he's got a book. Mm. You'll like him. I'll send you some links after. <laughs> interesting um, sorry i'm gonna take up your time with all these links i'll be sending you you'll have a lot of stuff to read over the next week hey <laughs> give it to me give it to me um favorite album oh prodigy but i can't pronounce it is it the heletical something <laughs> i cannot pronounce oh, it don't ask me i'm not i'm not uh, gonna... it's prodigy's album it came out i think in 2017 if i'm correct um oh. it's now taken been taken off itunes but it's called the spirit electrical or something like that i'd probably pronounce that totally wrong but it's Prodigy's album. One, I think it's the last one before he died, but you can't buy it now. Very informative. What That's my favourite album. Well, why can't you buy it anymore? Uh, probably because I don't want you hearing what's on it, maybe. <laughs> like, there's a bit of conspiracy stuff on there uh, in some of the intros, and he talks about diet causing problems in some of his songs, and talks a lot about 9-11 being set up and stuff. So it's quite an interesting album. Interesting. That's like a conspiracy theorist's fucking favourite album then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's my favorite album. <laughs> I, must, I must fucking download it. <laughs> yeah, I, I might be able to send it to you actually. Class, this, this list of stuff you're sending me is going to be epic. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you're going to be very busy. <laughs> uh, and last one then is favorite book. We're talking about books. Better finish my favorite book at the moment, which may change, is Joe Dispenser's Becoming Supernatural. I haven't finished it yet. Absolutely love that guy. Um, and I would also say as a second favourite, Mind Over Medicine by Lisa Rankin. Really good book. I'm actually listening to it on audiobook because I'm lazy. Um, great way Nothing to do it if that. you're driving. Just listen to it. But I really, really recommend that book. It's about the um, science behind the placebo effect. Really interesting. Interesting. I love some very interesting reads. I'm, yeah, gathering, I'm, I'm gathering up way too big of a book list from... Uh, this is number... Yeah, sorry. Six. No, not even just with you. We're like this is like number fifteen with the podcast. I'm only one man. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, and that is us. Uh, that was fucking brilliant. I enjoyed that a lot. 
Yeah, me too. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. It's only, I think, like my first or second podcast I've ever done. So I really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, and where can people find you on the gram? I can't remember your uh, name off the top of my head. It's Jay Louise PT. I need to change that though, because the people, I think people also think I'm a personal trainer, but I'm not qualified in that. So I thought you <laughs> I need were to change that. Yeah, well. <laughs> people keep saying about personal training programs. I'm like, no, no, I can't do that. I'm not a personal trainer. <laughs> so I'm like, I need to change that because they keep getting confused. <laughs> Brilliant. And what's your YouTube? If people want to give you a subscribe, uh, it's exactly the same. I think it's just Jay Louise actually my YouTube. So I've actually got a new video coming out on Sunday about the truth behind vitamins, which should be interesting. So mm, interesting. And vitamin supplements, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed that a lot and I'm looking forward to seeing that video on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for inviting me on Odyssey. I really appreciate you inviting me and uh, the fact that you thought I'd be interesting enough to do so. So thank you. <laughs> I know it was an absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that. Very enjoyable podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, share a picture of it to your story, tag me and the guest in it, and also leave a little review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. That is the platform that is the best to rate it on. And that's going to really bring the profile of the podcast up, bring it up that chart and make it a lot easier for us to get some really great guests on, even even more great guests on than we've already had. Um, if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about myself or what's going on with higher training, make sure to check out the Instagram page at coachpig underscore higher training. And if you want to sign up for the higher training newsletter, there is a link on my bio up there. You can sign up for free. Got plenty of recipes, movie recommendations, training tips, nutrition tips. And if you do want to sign up and become a client, there is a link for you on the Instagram bio there as well. All right. Thanks very much for listening.